Hi, I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season of Fruits Basket. We try and keep it spoiler-free, but sometimes we slip up, so if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps as well as for content warnings. Without further ado, let's get into this, this episode. There's so much episode. So much is this episode. This episode so has much so is much this in episode. it. Yeah. Yeah. This episode has about a hundred scenes in it. <laughs> it felt it's like. So, it's like, it wasn't longer than a normal episode, but it felt so long. So much yeah. happens. Yeah. And I didn't think it was badly paced or anything. It was just, like, kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It was full. It was hefty. It was full. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was heavy. It was heavy, but it had some good banter as well. Some shenanigans, as we say. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly the, sh- the shortest cold open. It was, like, ten seconds long. Yeah. It's just mommy issues central. Yeah. They said this up about mommies. They just, they're like, listen, this is the mommy issues episode. This is what it's, <laughs> like, enjoy. This is the in. mommy issues season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so much mommy issues. So much. Yeah. So much. Yeah, I just said that um, Rin and Yuki have a parallel and that they view being emotional as embarrassing. Oh, because Rin is embarrassed. Yeah. About what happened. She's mortified. Yeah. Um, It's also, I think... I think the way they view it is a little different. Like, they're both Mm -hmm. very embarrassed by being honest about their emotions. But for Rin, I think it's more of, like, a... She's afraid of showing weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Yuki, it's less like, I feel like he has, he's not trying to portray sort of the tough, independent persona that Rin portrays, but he also, he, I think it's more to do with, like, he wasn't allowed to have feelings or to have, like, he was more restricted in the kinds of emotions he was allowed to have as a child, and so it's less like a, oh, I can't show weakness and more of a, I'm not allowed. Yeah, no, I actually had written something about that later, but I think Yuki is more of a, like, uh, it doesn't matter, like, it's not even relevant. Like, I just shouldn't show any emotion because it doesn't matter. It's whatever. But Enrin is much more of a, I have to be strong. I have to be independent. It's a different thing. Yeah, but they're both still embarrassed of the fact that they're human beings with feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then it's um, Rin, Hatari, and Shigure. And I did want to say that the, like, I love the panel in the manga where Hatari is, I think he grabs her around the waist in the manga and pulls her out of the window uh, when she's trying to climb out. But the animation, he, like, grabs her wrist and her shoulder and is, like, yanking her back. And it was, like, very visceral. I liked it a lot. And then, mm-hmm. and he's able to, like, de-escalate it in a really, like, interesting way when he kind of, like, sits her back down on the bed and he's holding her hand. I thought they were all really good details of, like, the physicality between the two of them. Yeah. They made a good job of really, like, getting across, like, how frantic 
Rin yeah. is. Like, she has a lot of hospital trauma, um, both to do with normal hospital trauma things and also just, like, terrible life events that happens to take place in a hospital. Um, but, yeah. She's, like, they do a good job of, like, when Rin is afraid, you feel it. Um, you saw this last episode, you saw this this episode, like, I think, like I mentioned, like, I think Rin tends to feel emotions very physically, and they do a good job of getting that across to the viewer. Yeah, for sure. I thought Shigure was being especially cruel in his two little scenes. Um, I wrote down what he said. He's a bitch. Rin has what is very obviously a PTSD-related episode, and he tells her that she needs to learn how to take care of herself, which is a very mean thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says it so, like, uh, yeah, the delivery? Oof. It's fucked up. It's, like, nasty. He- it's really nasty, and I also think, like, it's just... The way it's so targeted to exactly the kinds of things that Rin is obsessed with, like she's obsessed with um, independence, she's obsessed with breaking this curse, and so he goes in and he's like, you have to learn how to take care of yourself, otherwise you're not going to be able to ever accomplish what you want to accomplish, like immediately, like, like immediately going directly for the things that she's most fixated on to get the response he wants. Yeah. No, it, it definitely, like, like loops back to what he said, I think, in the episode previous, where he's like, I'll just let the people, the people who care, I'll let them do the dirty work. This is him, yeah, pushing her to continue to do the dirty work for him. Mm-hmm. It's very calculated. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the scene between him and Hatsuri. He walks Hatsuri out. So oh. beautiful. Just, like, so beautiful. the shot of them both walking down the hill together, like, backlit by, like, the in the forest was just, like, gorgeous. Yeah. It was very beautiful. Um, the way that he... The way that Shigure talks to Hatsuri, I feel like Shigure is always very mean to Hatsuri, and I think it's just the way that he talks... They've just known each other for so long, I think that's just the way he talks to him. But, like, to call him Akito's lapdog, it's very cruel and very targeted for really, like, no reason. Like, I was trying to figure out why he said that, but I don't think there was really a reason. I think probably part of it is a little bit of jealousy because he's been Mm. kicked off the estate. Yeah, true. The fact that, like, Akito doesn't even seem to like Hattori that much, but Hattori still gets to be with Akito all the time and Shigure doesn't. I think Shigure's yeah. jealous. Ooh, that's a really good read. I think you're right. Spicy. Spicy. I mean, we know Shigure is a jealous bitch. We know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I thought that, so like, I thought that Hatsuri's reaction to Shigure telling him that Rin is trying to break the curse is a very indicative of Hatsuri's character because clearly that idea had never occurred to him but it obviously had occurred to others just not Hatsuri so I think Hatsuri is very resigned to his situation um and I think he's also like pretty obedient he's been broken like a horse yes like of course 
But but so has Rin, and Rin had the opposite reaction. Yeah. You know. It's true. They're, it's just different. Yeah. They're just different. They are different. Hachiri just, like, yeah, his response to trauma and to, like, the abuse he's experienced was just to shut down and, like, roll over and let what happens happens. Right. And Rin, meanwhile, is like, you will drag me kicking and screaming. Yeah. Um, no, it's... And it, and it was interesting to see Hathri, like, react to something that strongly, even, because he's usually so composed. Yeah. And the, like, who When Shigure says his line, he says, Hathri, do you hear it? The sound of breaking. And the music swells. And the camera pans back up to the house. Uh, I was having chills. The delivery, so the sound good. design, the art. Oh my god. I It's like really starting. I don't what I don't exactly remember what season this is supposed to be taking place. It's in, fall. Cause it's fall. Fall. Yeah, that's what I thought. Just from like the leaves. And so like I thought that that like seasonal imagery of like the seasons changing and like things falling away was like a perfect little match, like a visual complement to like what they were talking about. Yeah, true. That's a good uh, observation. Wow, that was a really... I, that scene was like, what, 90 seconds long or something? <laughs> two minutes. But it was so good. It was also like one of... I mean, this episode had a lot of like really, really beautiful imagery and shots in it, but like that scene in particular was very beautiful. Yeah, it was It was so pretty. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, and then, then we go back in, back inside the house. Then we go back in. We're in Toru's ugly ass bedroom. <laughs> I, it makes me so mad. Like Yuki's room is like it's messy. It fits his character. Um, Haru has this cute bedroom where he's got gaming and his little craft station, which is just like chef's kiss. I love it. And we go into Toru's bedroom, and it looks like a fucking like grandma designed it. It looks like <laughs> I, it's so ugly. I hate it. I hate her room. Yeah. Um, it doesn't fit her. I don't know. Like, they clearly know how to get across, like, that she's a very feminine character with, like, her outfits. Like, her outfits are always perfect. So I don't know why they couldn't take that knowledge of, like, the style she has and apply it to her room. But I guess, whatever. whatever. Yeah, my uh, my theory is that Shigure went on Ikea.jp and just ordered a bunch of pink shit for her. Yeah. <laughs> True. Because, you know, um, Shigure's room is just a, a dumpster. So he doesn't know. <laughs> this scene, like, honestly, sh- like, shook me to my core a little bit. Just, like, a, um, it wasn't, like, a huge, big, dramatic moment. But just, I think it was, like, what really struck me was, um the physicality it was it's it's like a little yeah it's a little moment but like the fact that yuki comes and like sits down on the bed next to her and like puts his hand on her like back or whatever she's under a blanket it's just like yuki is not a physical character like he doesn't touch anyone ever (laughs) he's not like this with toru he's not like i mean he attacks kyo that's the only time he touches kyo um like 
he's just, like, not physically affectionate, so, like, the fact that, like, he comes and sits down on her bed and, like, lays, like, a reassuring hand on her while he's, like, listen, like, Haru still loves you, it's just this, like, it's, it's very telling that this is kind of, like, a, it's a moment for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rin and Yuki, I think, have a complicated relationship because they really, oh, probably, I, I would assume in the past really only interacted with each other through Haru. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Rin does not like Yuki very much and views him in the same way that, like, Kyo kind of views him as this, like, privileged person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, like, the more, like, Yuki interacts with Rin, the more he kind of sees himself in her. Um, and that they've both been, like, just rejected so many times and neglected and abused. Um, like, yeah, it's a really good and, like, soft moment. I think, like, he, like, I think he, like, he knows what he would want to hear in that moment. And that's what he says to Rin. Like, assures her that, like, someone loves her and someone, like, cares about her well-being. And I think it's also, like, in the theme of, like, letting yourself be taken care of and then what do you do next Mm. is like something that both Rin and Yuki are reflecting on throughout this episode and I think this is sort of what Yuki's doing next is he's like accepted people taking care of him and now he's like okay I'm gonna go off and do my own thing like join student council try and become a person but now he's also going to try and care for the people he loves in return Mm -hmm. like uh, both like he because it's something he does for Rin but it's also something he does for Haru um, mm-hmm. yeah who has gone above and beyond to look out for him throughout his life and he's like now I can now I'm in a place where I can start trying to take care of and look out for the people I love um, yeah yeah it's a nice like development especially like when you consider like in the beginning of the season with his conversation with Haru when he's like my problems aren't always what's important and what's important right now is your problems um Mm -hmm. like I like that he's kind of like internalized that and now he's able to see that without putting himself down yeah I'm proud of him look at him go we love this funky little rat (laughs) it's Um, so true (laughs) it's like every time it's like we see moments of Yuki like letting himself be vulnerable or pushing himself out of his comfort zone or just like Wow, I'm always like, hell yes, hell yes, you go, Yuki. Um, it's you it do feels it good rap, every man. time. It it feels really good. So Yuki has one of my favorite character arcs in fiction. It's she just really so good. does. It's just like it just like it's like satisfying to watch to read. It's like it just like it. It's so like rewarding. It's like very organic. Just to consume. Yeah. 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 Um, like you feel like really satisfied as a yeah. reader I feel like um you because I feel like sometimes you read things and you're like that was okay but you don't feel like you really got a ton out of it whenever it's like something whenever I watch Yuki claw his next little step forward I'm always like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah this isn't really the biggest Yuki episode though so let's move no. along Yes, yes. 
And so now that it is presidential alert, the girls are fighting. Presidential alert. The girls are fighting. At like five in the morning, I guess. Just. (laughs) Or something like that. I don't. (laughs) Like. uh, It's. So I love the girls are fighting. Um, Yeah. We love to see it. We love to see Toru stand her ground. Yes. Um, Yeah, that was a big thing that I was thinking about this episode is that, like, Toru is able to stand up for herself. I was thinking about, like, as going a little bit forward, but as Rin was yelling at her, I was thinking about Toru's reaction in season one when her cousins are saying all that horrible shit to her when like, right when she's, like, about to, like, move back into their house, and how she's just, like, standing there, like, in tears, versus now, like, Rin is yelling at her, like, screaming in her face, and Toru's like, no, like, this is what I think, and I'm telling you, and, like, I'm determined to do this, and, like, I think it's just, like, such good, like, really natural, organic character development for her to be able to stand up for herself in this moment. I'm so proud of her. You go, girl. Like, hell yeah. It's just, like, I think... And it's also a product of the fact that, like, I think, like, back when she was, whatever, an orphan being berated by her shitty family, it's, like, she didn't really, like, have anything. Right. Like, yeah. she was pretty much alone in the world, and it was just, like, but now it's, like, Toru has, cha- like, grown and found people she loves, and so now when people are trying to push her around, it's, like, she has something that she cares about like she's not just kind of drifting alone in the world like trying to figure out what to do with herself she's like no I have things that I want um yeah which good for her yeah yeah I wanted to talk about like this is like a big thing with Rin um but talking about the line is I don't want kind people to get taken advantage of um And how Rin views kindness as a weakness. But Mm -hmm. I also think that, like, she views it as a weakness, but also she's clearly attracted to it because Haru is the first person she thinks of when she thinks of a kind person. And as we see, like, she is attracted, you know, not in that way, but to Toru. Um, She just has this Mm -hmm. attraction to her because of it. And I think that she really, like, I think she's almost, like, jealous of it, and so she kind of twists it around in her mind because it's an insecurity of hers that she's that she can't be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so she just associates it with, like, well, I'm not like that, and I can't be like that. Um, yeah. I have to be strong. I have to be cruel. Um, and I think it's, like... I think I think kindness is a huge theme and like like kindness and what it means to be kind uh even at your own detriment uh is like a huge theme throughout Fruits Basket from season 1 like the mm. foolish traveler story is yeah. where I think we first really start to dig into this idea and so and I think like and like I mentioned last episode where I think that like the ox in the in the version of the Zodiac story I heard growing up is also kind of a foolish traveler. And so, like, I think that this, like, parallel of, like, Toru and Haru and what it means to be kind, even if it means you might get hurt, um, 
and how it's it's a virtue but it's also like it has costs you know yeah like it's clearly something that's very valued and praised in the story but it's also i think very honest about the fact that kindness isn't kindness can cost you i think yeah but it's worth it ultimately mhm yeah when she's like yelling at her about wanting to break the curse and saying you want to break the curse because you pity us because i don't think that like rin like when rin sees toru she just sees like yeah like weakness and kindness to a fault and she's mm-hmm. she can't even like fathom that toru is doing this for selfish reasons she's just like projecting mm-hmm. this image of her onto her and she and like obviously toru is doing it because she loves the somas but also like she doesn't want to be abandoned she like desperately wants them to continue to be a part of her life because they're her family now mm-hmm. and so it is selfish to an extent um yeah but rin like can't understand that she also can't conceptualize that like an outsider who has not grown up with the curse uh and also someone who's uncursed cuz like she as a child it's like oh i'm lucky my parents loved me even though i'm cursed and then that turned out to be a lie um and so now it's like oh this girl who doesn't have a curse is like cares about us sure um so i think she's distrustful of mot- of her of like people who aren't cursed's motivations in like uh subjects related to the curse um because of her trauma um yeah for sure and like and so like even though toru has proved to various other characters in the story and also through them the audience that she obviously does genuinely care about the somas rin doesn't know that she wasn't there rin didn't yeah. see true form happen um right like so uh yeah it's fun it's a little bit of like we know but rin doesn't yeah uh yeah and then the boys get the presidential alert <laughs> coming out of their rooms <laughs> is actually pretty funny and, it's, and like, it's, I, I, it was like appropriate i liked it it was funny <laughs> yeah i think it was like i mean it would be jarring imagine you live with toru toru oh Honda, yeah has and, she like, ever yelled? everything about her personality and then it's like all of a sudden you hear her yelling and you're like is she <laughs> dying what's going on like, they i don't think they've ever ever in like almost two years of living with her heard her get into a fight with anyone right yeah um, so, I would yeah. I would be losing my mind. I would emerge from my bedroom, confused <laughs> in the early morning. Um, oh, definitely. They all just like wander out wordlessly to stare at her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're just like we're going to observe. <laughs> you guys are such freaks. They um, are. Sugary too. <laughs> Sugary's like I have to be present for this drama. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. Um, this was also a particularly beautiful um, scene, moment, scene, 
of Rin on the top of the stairs. Um, did not appreciate the ass shot, by the way. Just a quick note. Yep. No, Why? thank you. Why? 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 Did I really Wait. have to see her contoured ass? Like, really? Okay. Like, would it be that visible through her kimono? I don't think so. No. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate men. Um. <laughs> um, I love that, like, Toru is just, like, like, when, like, Rin's talking about how she saw her and she just wanted to, like, put her head in her lap. Like, Toru is just, like, an inherently comforting person. Her vibes are immaculate. And yeah. she is mommy. <laughs> she just, like just puts out mommy energy like on an insane level like imagine you're a traumatized person with deep-seated trust issues and you see this random stranger and her vibes are just so immaculate that you're like I want to put my head in her lap like (laughs) fucking book wild I don't know like I wonder what Hana sees, like, in her waves. Like, she must be like, man, this girl's waves are off the charts that even, like, normies can feel them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Rin says something about, like, seeking comfort as taking advantage. And I think that speaks, we were talking about this last week, that... Rin sees herself as a burden to others, and that was just, like, enforced over and over again by her parents and by Akito. And, like, and that's why she, like, draws away from Haru. Um, but, but I like that in this moment, like, both Rin and also Toru realize, because Toru also has issues confiding yeah. in people and leaning on people. Like, she really only does it when Kyo, like, pushes her, and only Kyo. Um, but that they both kind of realize in this moment that they, like, are allowed to, like, seek comfort and they're allowed to confide in other people and also that they are stronger together. Yeah. Because Rin, I, I've been saying, obviously I keep saying, like, Rin is independent to a fault, but, like, so is Toru. Toru takes oh, on a yeah. lot. She takes on so much the fact that she chose to be homeless over burdening her friends, she is this a very similar to Rin in that way. Yeah, no, she's she was in, she's insane. She was what fifteen. She's like I'm an orphan, and I don't want to burden my friends by crashing on their couch for a few weeks while my grandpa's home gets renovated. So I'm going to live in the woods and work myself to the point of physical exhaustion so I can pay my own tuition and then like end up uh passing out like or she gets like she's like sick because she like when the when the somas finally like pick her up she's like in rough shape like she's like fevered which is similar to like Rin fucking passing out in public places and having to be like scraped off the street and brought to a (laughs) hospital like they Toru obviously, like, exhibits a very different, like, personality she puts out into the world than Rin, but Toru is also, like, just does, cannot, cannot let herself get taken care, like, she, she she does not accept, she has a hard time accepting kindness from others, like, anytime anyone does something remotely nice for her, she bursts into tears. Yeah, yeah. 
she's she's it, she's got problems um and she just like if unless someone like forces her to accept their help she just like won't she'll just like do whatever and deal like figure it out on her own um which I think was also just like a result even though like she obviously had a loving mother it was a result of like her upbringing of having to like become really independent at a young age because like she had a single mom that worked all the time and so she's like yeah I can help balance our household budget in <laughs> when I'm fucking 10 or however it was like I'll cook all our meals um which is I think why and then like the person she idolized which was her mother is also like someone who was independent like took care of her on her own and so I think even though Toru is like someone that's very loving very caring I think she also values independence a lot like Rin does yeah um yeah, I'm. They have such a good relationship. Like, I just love that they like both make each other realize that like it's okay to lean on other people, and that also mm-hmm. like that you're not just like inherently a burden to others. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Humans, as a species, need to take care of each other for our right. survival. Like, it's it's we're social animals, man. It's okay. It's true. Uh. This was a small moment, but when Shigure is, like, doling out Shigure advice to his team, <laughs> Oh, this is what I was saying before, was that, like, they both Rin and Yuki push people away because they're afraid to let others in. Rin because she sees herself in a, as a burden, and Yuki because his feelings have just been invalidated over and over and over again throughout his life that he just, like, can't express them anymore. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that, like, this is probably, like, kind of validating to Yuki to see, like, Rin and Toru acting like this because I think he realizes here that he's not the only person who feels like this. And I think a lot of like Yuki's whole thing is that he feels very isolated in his yeah. in his emotions and his trauma and seeing them both like lead, like both in real time realize that they're allowed to express themselves and lean on each other and that he's not the only one who feels that way is probably very um, validating for him. Yeah. It's like you it's like Rin and Toru are like trauma bonding and then like Yuki is like standing off to the side and like, <laughs> Me too. I'm not gonna say anything, but me too. <laughs> it's very funny. Um yeah. I love them. They're weird. Um <laughs> And then we go to school. Finally like so a light scene. Total shift. Let's go. Um, I would die for Kimmy. Kimmy is oh so my god, funny. <laughs> like, I just I think like Kimmy is what makes the Yuki fan club tolerable at this point. Kimmy, <laughs> yeah, like it's self aware of how insane they are because Kimmy is like, oh, these people are insane, and I'm going to fuck with them. Which is, like, exactly what I would do if I were as a student at this school, is if there was a crazy, insane fan club that was obsessed with stalking a random student, I would be like, oh, I'm gonna fuck with these people. Um, yeah. So, She's I think it's, so like... so funny. The stuff with the Yuki fan club immediately becomes infinitely more tolerable, because now Kimmy is there to actually, like, balance them out. For sure. Um, love the animation on the PA system. 
on the speaker. <laughs> so Yuki's fucking face. Oh my god. It's and then like uh, Kakiru. Kakiru. Oh King. my god. That was I just that like was I so love funny. like Yuki's reaction to people flirting with him. We've talked about this before, but like he can't deal with it. Because, like, when he flirts with people, they just get really flustered because he's so good-looking and charming. And then when the others do it with him, he's like, I don't know how to react. Like, I don't know how to he's react like, to Kakiru being like this. Or Kimmy or either of like, them. He shuts down. He's like, I want to leave. <laughs> so, And I also love that, like, Kakadu rolls up and, like, immediately gets into, like, a fight with Yuki. And then Haru, like, gently interjects and he's like... I give you my blessing to t- <laughs> to date my son. Take good care of him. And Kakadu, like, immediate, like, yeah. <laughs> Kakadu immediately is, like, plays along and is like, yes, I'll take good care of your daughter. And Yuki's like, I'm going to fucking kill both of you. Uh, want, oh, what was the thing? It was, like, want to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> Yuki is mean now. Um, Yuki is mean now. When your character so development makes funny. you a bitch. I know. it's. I love it. I love it so much. It's just like... Um, yeah. It's... Uh, unlike Yuki watching Kyo and Toru flirt, obviously, with each other, and he just looks like he wants to, like, leave his body. <laughs> when Haru watch Kak- watches Kakadu and Yuki flirt with each other, he's like, oh, I am experiencing glee. I know, he's so happy. It was reminding me of the scene in what is, like, somehow becoming my favorite episode, maybe outside of the lake house, which is 2-4, when Yuki comes to the Soma estate to visit Haru, and um, Yuki is, like, talking to him like a normal person and, like, letting himself be, like, emotional in front of Haru, and Haru is very obviously, like, happy about it. And I think he says it. He says something like, mm-hmm. I like that you can express yourself now. It reminded me of that scene, except Haru is like, Yuki is finally letting someone into his life and he's letting his personality show to someone who isn't a Soma. And I think like he mm-hmm. knows how big that is for Yuki. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fun. Yuki's Yuki it's like we've been slowly unraveling Yuki's personality. Like it's like a very uh thoroughly wrapped gift that like is taking yeah. a really long time to get all the wrapping off and now it's yeah. like you have this present and it's the fact that Yuki is a little bitch um, <laughs> what better character development could we ask for nothing, nothing. I love it so much um, yeah. yeah that was such a cute little scene yeah and then we get more cute we go from that cuteness to more cuteness uh, the electricity bill. The electricity bill. <laughs> he's so grumpy and practical. I love him. He's like an, he's such an old man. Like this is I why like Kyo like, and Yuki, Kyo and Yuki are so similar in this way. <laughs> yeah, like I like how we start out with Kyo and he's like a hothead teenage boy, but like the minute he calms down, his like hothead temper just turns into like crotchety man telling people <laughs> to get off his lawn. Like his, like <laughs> that's what it becomes. Like as soon as he's like a little less like screamy, he's just like grouchy, and it's extremely endearing. Yeah, um, they're all so cute. This scene was so cute. 
I loved like yeah. like Kyo and Toru flirting with each other, and the camera just panning and like zooming into <laughs> Yuki's face, and he's like, "Oh, this is gonna be the rest of high school." <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, this is gonna be it. Because I think, like, I mean, he obviously knows that they have feelings. Like, he obviously knows that they have feelings for each other, but he's like, oh my god, they're flirting. They're flirting. (laughs) It's like, in my own house, right in front of my salad. (laughs) Like, he, he really is like, oh, I have to live like this now. (laughs) <laughs> this is what I'm gonna have to live with. Um, the fact that we're gonna get even more of this this season. So good. Fucking comedy also, gold. Also, Yuki, I mean, not Yuki, Kyo and Toru are so cute. So I cute. love that Kyo They're is so able cute. to, like, read her to filth every moment of the day because he just, like, knows her so well. It's just like, Kyo's like, she's like, wow, you're so good at guessing things about me. And, and Kyo's like, oh, it's probably just because you're very obvious. And she's like, I think maybe you just know me well. And Yuki's just like, I am in hell. <laughs> um, Someone on Twitter pointed this out, but um, during that conversation, Kyo is like mimicking the way that Toru talks. Like, because she so- adds, she adds those little like things, those little Japanese things at the end of her sentences. It's Desio in this one, and when she says Desio. At the end of her sentence, he says it as well, which he normally doesn't. It's very cute. They're so fucking cute. I'm gonna die. Also, Shigure was very cute in this scene as well. (laughs) And and then we have uh, just, I love that if all else fails, Yuki and Kyo are always on the same team re-protecting Toru. Yeah. They're just like, that's our fucking girl. Uh, Shigure, I will kill you. <laughs> it's cute. I love them. It's yeah, I love I love scene. their house. I love their little antics. I um, could watch an entire show of just the four of them, <laughs> just like in just their house, just like a spinoff series of like conversations they have in the living room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. It's like they all. Hey, it's. I think it's not like they like all like lock themselves in their bedroom and don't interact with each other. Like they could do that, but they all like mm-hmm. spend time together as a house. Like they are their own weird little family. I don't remember what episode it was, but like um I would notice that like Shigure it was like after dinner and Kyo was like watching TV, Shigure sitting at the table reading, Toru's cleaning, and I think Yuki was like in the kitchen doing something. Like they're all just like hanging out and chatting. And they do it all the time, they, or they just, like, sit and watch TV together or something. It's very cute. They're cute. They're just very comfortable them. with each other. It's just some, like, mm-hmm. nice found family. It's some- it's that good shit. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to tell the good people about Agar Agar. <laughs> Please do. Um, so, uh, jelly, um, like, little jelly desserts in Japan- and most of Asia, are usually made from agar-agar, which is made from red algae, and it's not made from animal products. So, Rin is not eating horse. (laughs) This has been a PSA. (laughs) My other PSA is that in the English dub, (laughs) when Coretto goes out to the restaurant, he does order chicken. 
I fucking hate that. I'm gonna kill that man. I'm gonna manifest in his home and murder him and then marry Uo. I'm gonna I'm gonna manifest with you. I'm gonna officiate your wedding. <laughs> um Okay, so now we go to the yeah. hospital. Now we go to the hospital. Oh yeah, I was talking about okay, so like Toru is thinking like about how Rin she says she must have taken it all upon herself for so long. And she's thinking of Rin and then she's thinking of Kyo. But, again, as we talked about, like, girl, so do you. Yeah. Like, you're projecting on Rin and Kyo, but, like, you do the same exact thing. Interesting. Oh, Teru. She's so, she's so repressed. <laughs> she, like, does not introspect at no, all. No, not at all. No. She, like, she constantly, like, waxes poetic and says, like, what it's like the, after the first season she gives less like weird inspirational speeches <laughs> like yeah. for season one she gave an inspirational speech every episode which is like kind of a lot and like now we've kind of backed off that which I'm grateful for but yeah like for as like much weird wisdom she has she does not self-reflect she does not mm-hmm. introspect at all does not look no. inward she's like no I don't want to see what's in there She's very, very empathetic, but she's not very self-aware. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love how unashamedly attracted Toru is to Rin. She walks into the room and she's like, you're so pretty. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like flushed. She's like blushing. Oh my God, Toru. (laughs) Toru really sees Rin as like, this is the hottest woman I've ever seen in my life. Literally. (laughs) She's like so attracted to her. It's crazy. And she just does. She has no idea. I don't think she realizes that girls, other girls don't think that way about girls. I, yeah. It's just like something I, I like, it's just so funny. Like, I always think about the, like, the, when Rin first gets in, like, when Toru and Rin first interact, Toru is just like, titties. <laughs> she's like, I have to she give is. her one of my shirts. And then she's like, oh, her titties. But, titties. <laughs> like, Toru! <laughs> she's, she's so voluptuous. I, That's what she says. She's voluptuous. Sis. Sis. You're bi. <laughs> Both of you. She's bi. Literally. I... I don't... It's very um, cute. It's like, it's like very cute and wholesome. <laughs> how mm-hmm. much she's attracted to Rin. It's very sweet. She's just yeah. like, she's very flustered. Um... Endearing. We love... We love flustered teenagers being a little silly and goofy. We love that. They're cute. Yeah. I thought it was funny that Toru forgot about the curse. <laughs> like, she, I think she, like, genuinely wanted to go see Rin because she just, like, wanted to... See, I think she just, like, wanted to cheer her up. Yeah. She was in the hospital. She was so caught up in the euphoria of bringing Rin jello that she forgot yeah. about the curse. It's very funny. And it's also very, like, telling of, like, how Toru thinks about them. Like, it's really, like, not a concern for her. I mean, it is yeah. a concern, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's, like, I think it's, like, Rin is so single-minded. She's, like, okay. Like, she's been just, like, on the same thing this whole time. And it's, like, okay, if Toru's also in curse-breaking mode, then she's probably still thinking about this always the way I do. And Toru is, like, I brought you Jello. <laughs> uh, I made a new friend. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, baby. 
love how aggressively um, Toru makes friends. She meets someone and we're like, she's like, we are friends now. I love you. It's like, uh, I held you in my arms while you sobbed and I cried. So we are friends now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so now they go on their walk. They go on their little walk. And Rin talks about the curse. I think the most clearly that's happened so far. Yeah, um, I think so. And I, I like I like this. It's like it's juicy and it's like I like I I mean I we love magical metaphors for things that are also literal. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's literal, normal, mundane, generational trauma in the yeah. Soma family. But then there's also this, like, curse that I think is a metaphor for generational trauma. Because it's, like, it's talking about, like, Rin is, like, I'm held in these chains made by decision, like, created by decisions people made before me. Like, I never had a choice in this, but, like, my blood remembers, you know? So it's yeah. very much like a, it's like this generational trauma thing. This like cy- like the, it's the cycles of abuse in the Soma family. It's like you're being born into something and handed this burden that was created long before you, but now that you're here, you have to carry it. Um, listeners, yeah. please go so listen I, I to. Like... I would say, listeners, please go, please go listen to Dynasty by Rina Sawayama. It is the Soma family <laughs> anthem, but specifically Rin's. <laughs> Amelia, go listen to that song as well. <laughs> it's that's okay. what it's about. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted Um, you. No, you're good. Uh, Yeah, I just, I think it's, I like, I, you know, like, magical metaphors for things are, like, fun and cool or whatever, but I like also when they're paired with, like, the actual things they're metaphors for, so it's not like, I mean, I'm gonna bring up the Raven Cycle, for example, because I think this is something that is in the Raven Cycle a lot. Listeners, if you haven't read the Raven Cycle, I'm sorry, but it's, like, something that me and Sophie both read. Um, but it's, like, uh, Ronan's magic and, like, his uh, self-hatred is, uh, it's, just, it's, like, this magical suicidalness uh, where, like, his dreams attack him. But it's also, like, a product of him actually being extremely depressed and grieving and dealing with, like, real genuine issues and also like repression for his sexuality so it's like it's coupled with like real trauma that can happen in mundane actual life with a magical element to enhance it rather than oh like the magic is actually being gay or whatever like Merlin I don't know if anyone if you've watched Merlin it's not a great show but it's like I feel like the magic in it is a heavy-handed example for being gay but no one's actually gay which is like annoying it's like, yeah. they're not gay, but, like, if they're magical, like, they are gay. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that in Fruits Basket, the magic is a metaphor for trauma, but there's also real trauma. Yeah. Um, I was right. actually thinking about Ronan yeah. during that scene as well. For the same exact <laughs> reason. <laughs> um, um, I wanted to talk about when Sosha, when she's talking about the curse, she's taking her hair out. And obviously, Rin's hair is a very big thing about her character, which I think I've said before, but it's associated with her autonomy, because I think it's, like, one of the few things that she can control about her body and about Mm -hmm. her life. And so, like, 
like the curse like you said like started centuries before her birth and it really controls like almost every aspect of her life but that is like one of the small things she can control and so i liked that they included her taking her hair out as she's talking about it because it is just the one of the very minuscule things that she has control over in her life yeah um we love it it's good yeah Rin stopping Tolru from charging ahead and doing everything by herself. We love to see it. The growth. The growth. In this one episode, too. Look at them. Look at them. They are amazing together. I love them. They're just, like, bring, like... Dream team. They just, like... I think that they bring out, like, what they would consider, like, ugly emotions in each other. Because I think, like, like... Like, Rin feeling like she wants to be comforted by this person. I think she considers that, like, an ugly emotion. And Toru, like, I mean, (laughs) we'll talk about this because it's coming up. But Rin is bringing out all sorts of emotions that Toru just does not want to deal with. But, like, but I think, like, they both, like, are, like, on the way to realizing that, like, they need to, like, be together for this. And it's the only way that they can get through the situation. Um, And, like, that's why Rin stops her. She's I like, we're not like doing this alone anymore. She's, they're good. They're so good. And they're a good team. Uh, this was a little bit before, but I like that Ren puts Kareno on blast. Like True. <laughs> <laughs> she really drops, she's like, Toru's like, we should go to Kareno for help. And she's like, Kareno's not going to help us. He doesn't <laughs> give a shit. He's in yeah. Akira's pocket. He is, like, he's a little bitch. And, uh is complicit in all of this. You're not going to get anything out of that piece of trash. Um, mm-hmm. And Torres obviously is invested in Corretto not being a piece of trash for her own personal fucked up reasons, where she's like, <laughs> I want my friend who likes him to be happy, and I'm totally not projecting my weird abandonment issues onto my friend and this random guy she went on one bad date with. Um, <laughs> Who is also way too old for her. Um, yeah, but yeah. Ren's right. Her read yeah. on Karenna was correct. Well, I also think, like, Toru in general just, like, assumes the best about people um, right off the bat. And Rin is the opposite. <laughs> I think Rin probably mm-hmm. assumes the worst about people when she meets them because she has such deep trust issues. And so, yeah, like, I think, like, it's a good balancing in that, like, you shouldn't always assume the best about people. And Rin tells Toru that, but also vice versa. You shouldn't always assume the worst about people. Mm -hmm. They're good foils. Oh yeah, and then this moment where Rin asks what it is that she can't give up and Toru just freezes. Woof. She, I, I like that like Toru freezes and Rin also immediately can see that she like, she's like, oh, I touch something that you don't know how to deal with. Yeah. Like, Toru freaks out visibly, but not in a way that's, like, I think super obvious. But Rin immediately is like, oh, I'm gonna back off. Yeah. And this is Rin being like, you know what? I'm gonna give her some space. I'm gonna back (laughs) off. It's like, like, I think I've made her uncomfortable, and uh, I know that making people uncomfortable is something I do a lot, but, you know, in this instance, we're just gonna, like, change the subject. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I did appreciate that Rin is kind of immediately like, I'm, you don't have to answer 
sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think like Toru, like I, we have been saying this over and over again, but she's just not ready to face her abandonment issues. She doesn't. She doesn't want to put any blame on her mother for her issues, even though they're intrinsically tied to her mother. But she doesn't want to blame her for it. She doesn't want to. She just want to own up to like the toxic positivity that she is using to cope. And I don't think that she's. At this point, I'm not sure she's completely able to recognize what exactly it is she feels for Kyo. Yeah. And I also think, like, Toru has not let herself feel... Like, Toru is still, like... She had her only parent die, like, a, a, like almost two years ago, a year and a half ago. Um, I think it's almost two which years. Which is, like, yeah. almost two years, which is, like, an extremely traumatic event. Um, something horrifying. Something that, like... And also she was totally failed by her family. Like, to some extent, like, she furthered her own abandonment through her sort of, like, independence and trying to deal with everything herself. But on the other hand, like, the way that she was treated as a teenage orphan by the what should have been her support system during this time is like she was she was failed by these people her grandfather Mm -hmm. failed to take care of her uh her extended family are the worst um hana and uo i'm giving a pass because they're teenagers and tora was deliberately hiding things from them but as soon as they figured out they were like they felt so guilty they're like we should have known we should have like reached out and made sure you were actually okay and so Toru hasn't ever let herself be angry for the fact that, like, something horrible happened to her and she was left to deal with it on her own, which is something that shouldn't have happened to her. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, like, she doesn't have... She can't be mad at her mom for dying. Um, mm-hmm. And she doesn't know to be... Like, she's got these abandonment issues, but I don't think she realizes that she was also abandoned by, like, what should have been a support system for her. Yeah. Well, Toru. Um, and then we go to the dream. (sighs) That shit made me cry. That shit made me cry. (laughs) Sad. Sad. Um, Very sad. I took a note of the sound design in the dream. I was I always listen in headphones when I watch Um And like, as the dream it doesn't like break apart exactly. Like she is like, oh, I'm in my apartment. Oh, it's my mom. And then she starts kind of freaking out and like, don't leave. Like you're gonna get in an accident. Like don't leave. And as that's happening, the music starts alternating channels back back and forth from the left to the right channel um like really oh. fast and it sounds very like broken up and very like um anxiety inducing and like as it's like going back and forth the door is creaking and they're very loudly and Kyoko's footsteps are very loud and the crescendo of the music matches the door closing but we never actually hear the door close we just hear Toru's gasp as she wakes up so I thought that was, like, a really nice piece of sound design. It was very effective. I didn't listen in headphones, but that sounds sexy, and now I want to go back and listen and watch that bit again with headphones. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have anything to say about the dream? No, I mean, it was sad, 
and it definitely felt, I don't, it was like, they did a good job making a nightmare that is heartrending and effective at, like, you know, it's, you know, the, her being, like, she's just reliving a memory, but she's, like, a, a conscious of knowing what's going to happen, but unable to change the course of it. Yeah. Sucks. That feels yeah. bad, man. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't have a lot of, like, analysis. The sequence of Toru opening her bedroom door is, like, probably, like, one of my favorite short sequences of the season. I thought it was so incredibly beautiful and, like, heart-wrenching and, like, there's not even any lines. Oh. Oh, the doors. The doors. <laughs> the doors. And I loved how dark the, the color palette was. I think it's just, like, but I was, like, I find it, I, like, this is, like, my fault and not the show's fault, but, like, I was try- kind of finding it, like, a little hard to interpret. Um, I think that the reason she opens the door is because she's searching for Kyoko, or just comfort in general, and closing it because she is just not ready to face her trauma. Yeah. And it was done in a very beautiful way. Baby. Sad. <laughs> I want to give her a hug. It was a very, like, sad note to end the episode on. I feel yeah. like they don't normally end it on such a sad note, but it was very, very dark. It was sad. She is a kid. She's, she's sad. Um, well, I'm getting, yeah. like, emotional just thinking about it. It was so beautiful. Just that moment. Ugh. Uh, it's also, Toru. like, I think there was, like, she said something along the lines of, like... I don't know. It was something that reminded me kind of like, I kind of like the, there's like almost a slight parallel between like, Akito wants to keep all the Zodiac members with them, and so does Toru. Like, Mm. and obviously they're extremely different, and they're like, Akito is a cult leader and abusive and a nightmare, and Toru is, like, an empathetic, traumatized teenager that makes everyone's lives better for her being in it. But, uh, also it's just, like, I think that, like, I think they both have abandonment issues that are They both have deep abandonment issues. They both have deep abandonment issues spawned by their parents fucking dying. Um, Yeah. And... So, it's fun. It's a fun parallel. It's spicy. Yeah. No, they're, like, excellent foils in that way. Like, I, I like yeah. that they have the same goal. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a We'd crazy fucking it. episode. Like I said, like, a lot, a lot happened. It's so much. And a lot is going to continue to happen. A lot. It's Fruits Basket. A lot be <laughs> happening. This is, like, definitely, like, my favorite part of Fruits Basket. This, like... Well, how I think of Fruits Basket is that she splits it into three acts, and the second act is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so emotional just thinking about it. I'm gonna have to, like, watch it again. (laughs) Wow. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at SomaSoGood. If there's anything you want to ask us or anything you want us to discuss, please hit us up on social media. Thanks and see you next time.